0: And we're live with Be Green with Amy.
1: Greetings, everyone. (laughs) Welcome to Be Green with Amy. I'm Amy. Since 2012, I've been coaching people to join me in achieving their plant-based lifestyle goals of weight loss and improved health. Just Todd's voice. Let's welcome our guests.
0: Dr. Kim Scheuer and Dr. Nikki Davis. Kim Scheuer, M.D., struggled with weight issues until the age of 47. She loves de-prescribing medications, helping her patients become younger, more fit, and healthier by adopting positive lifestyle choices. Nikki Davis, MD, worked on the Space Shuttle program for several years. She will soon be running plant-based wellness retreats in locations around the world. Dr. Davis and Dr. Scheuer are available for telehealth appointments. Be Green with Amy welcomes Dr. Kim Scheuer and Dr.
1: Nikki Davis. Greetings, Dr. Kim and Dr. Nikki. Thanks for coming on Be Green with Amy. Thank Thank you. I'm so glad that you both joined us today. It's so exciting for me when I have more than one doc on the broadcast with us, because then we can get to hear some different points of view, even though I know you both are probably pretty well versed in the plant-based lifestyle and with our topic today, which is weight loss. And we even are going to touch upon obesity as well. There's a lot of people out there that just have so many confusing messages about weight loss. They're looking at what the internet shows them and talk shows tell them about, and a lot of the times they just take advice from their friends or or a magazine or something. Even though you might get great results with a particular type of diet or lifestyle, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best as far as your health goes. And so I'm really glad that you're here to talk about this important topic, since there are just so many people that are struggling with weight, even if it's just a few pounds. And then there are some people that are even having obesity, that's an issue for them as well. So I'm really glad you're here. I'm hoping that there are people maybe that are watching today that maybe don't even know about this lifestyle that we're going to be talking about. And maybe they can get a different point of view than what they've been seeing from people that are not necessarily medical doctors. Let's start with Dr. Kim. Tell us about a little bit about yourself and how you came to
2: learn about this lifestyle. Okay. Hi, I'm Dr. Kim. And I um, grew. I, I went into medicine because I love learning about, I love talking to people and being with people. I was a teacher of the deaf beforehand. And... Um, I love learning about the body, but I struggled with my weight from age 13 on. I grew up and stopped growing up and started growing out. And then that happened through medical school, through residency. Um, At about age 47, I decided that I wanted to learn how to prevent breast cancer because my mom had breast cancer when she was 48. So I discovered lifestyle medicine and plant-based eating, and I couldn't believe what I hadn't learned in medical school. So what I did was I started eating healthier, um, plant-based and my weight plummeted. That's not why I did it, but it plummeted. My cholesterol plummeted, my energy went up. It was wonderful. So I learned about it myself, got uh, boarded in lifestyle medicine and started using it with my patients. And it made a huge difference in my patients' lives. So that's how I got onto this road.
1: Wow, what an inspiring story. And to know that you are versed in American Sign Language, and I'm told that you have some other languages that you're versed in as well. So that must really help you to reach other people that maybe would be not as accessible if you didn't have those languages to help with that's a great thing. And you do the telemedicine. So if somebody wanted to have a physician that could speak in American Sign Language, and I think you had some other languages, is that right? I
2: speak Spanish and um, American Sign Language well. Then I have some other languages that like Sinhala and things like that, that I speak a little bit. But on uh, telehealth and with my patients in the office before I went to plant-based um I use those languages on a regular basis. And I love it. Love teaching other cultures and other people who don't get the information about how to become healthier.
1: And that's so important. And I I suppose that you've probably traveled extensively and not just are familiar with these languages, but also with some of the cultures, which when we're talking about eating and changing our lifestyle, that can be a big deal to some people who are so worried about holding on to things that they're used to enjoying with their cultures and trying to figure out how maybe they could adopt a healthier lifestyle, but not have to give those things up. So you probably are familiar with some of those foods and and cultures. Yes.
2: Oh, I was gonna say when I thought that I should, when I learned and did the research about going plant-based, I said, I can't do this. I can't give up my cheese. I can't give up this or that. And then I realized when I lived in Sri Lanka for two years, it's a Buddhist culture. We didn't eat animals there. And I was like, wait, I have done this before. So I can do this again. So that was a nice way to think about, yeah, you know, yes, it's a huge change for a lot of people. But if you move to another country, you'd be adjusting to their food also. So you just adjust what you're eating. And it makes you feel so much healthier and better. And it is possible. And I love a lot of ethnic foods, like Thai foods and uh, Indian food, and uh, there's, you know, Mexican food, rice and beans. There's plenty of ways to have wonderful variety with healthy plant-based foods. And and people think, oh, you're going plant-based, you're just going to eat cardboard. No, my diet is, I think I'm having a uh, Indian meal tonight. We had a lasagna last night. We had, you know, so Italian last night. It's just, it doesn't limit you. It actually opens up things.
1: I think, That's a really great way to put it. And I found that to be the case for myself too. I think I have a greater variety of foods now than I ever did. And now we're going to talk to Dr. Nikki. Welcome. I'm glad that you're here. You want to tell us a bit about your plant-based journey and how you
3: integrated that with your practice? Yes, I'd be happy to. So I would say that my love of eating plant foods started at about the age of 13. I Mm -hmm grew up in a home where we ate pork chops and hamburgers, and I never liked it. And so when I was 13, I thought I want to be the healthiest that I can be. And I just decided that eating meat was not healthy. Now, I didn't know anyone who was vegetarian or vegan at the time. But it just seemed to me like it wasn't the healthy option. I just instinctively knew that eating plant foods seemed healthier than eating a hamburger. So I stopped eating red meat at that time. And then as I got into my later teen years, I started giving up other things like poultry and fish and eventually went vegan in my twenties. Now at the same time, I was going to college and trying to decide what I wanted to do with my life. And I had considered medicine, but I thought that's just too long of a road. I'm, I don't know that I'm really interested in, in going to school for that long. And I was always good at math and science. So I decided that I wanted to do mechanical engineering. I really liked the challenge of it. I secretly liked that I was one of the only women doing it. And I enjoyed the school part of it. I really enjoyed working hard and figuring out problems. And as a kid, I was always an inventor. So I really enjoyed that part of it. But when it came to working the day to day, so I ended up working uh, for a contractor, for a contracted company through NASA working on the space shuttle program. And although it was somewhat exciting, it just wasn't my passion. And what ended up happening was when I was not at work or maybe even when I was at work, I was reading books about nutrition. I was talking to people about being vegan and plant-based. And that's where I really found that I could just talk for hours and hours about nutrition. And after working for the space shuttle program for about seven years, I decided to just up and leave. I said, I'm just not passionate about this and I need to do something different. And that's when my husband said to me, he said, Nikki, you know, you'd be a really good doctor. I'm like, oh, there's no way I'm going back to school again. I already got my master's degree in mechanical engineering. I've been to school long enough. But he said, you know, if you became a doctor, I think you could really help a lot of people and people would listen to you about going plant-based. And that's kind of what started the wheels turning. And so I, you know, a second career. I went back and had to do my prerequisites, and went back and did medical school at the University of Utah. I started in 2013, and graduated in 2017, and then I went and did a family medicine residency in Montana, and just finished that last uh, last July of 2020. So, uh, so finished that, and then luckily was able to become board certified in lifestyle medicine as well last year. So that is, is where I'm at today. And I definitely have been living and sharing the plant-based message for years and years and got my family members to all transition at some point And uh, just really loving sharing this with my patients as well.
1: Well, that's a great story. So you've just kind of had some kind of intuition about this before you even had all the knowledge and research, you just kind of knew that this was the best way to go. And wondering how your family took that, you know. <laughs> yeah, they didn't <laughs> love it. They thought I was crazy <laughs> at
3: first. <laughs> but now they're all on because they see, they see the differences that it's made for everyone. I mean, when mm-hmm. I was growing up, there was, you know, a lot of the, the older women that I was around in my life, Had issues with weight. And I was constantly, you know, what I was seeing, I wasn't seeing people saying, well, we need to eat more plants. It was, I need to eat less food. Mm -hmm. I need to weigh my food or I need to only have certain amounts of certain things and, you know, buy a smaller plate and really track what I'm eating. And it just looked like misery to me as a kid. And I have to say, now that I have found this way of living, it is so nice not to have to track all of that stuff. I just eat the right types of foods and I eat until I'm full. I snack. I, I love the food that I eat. I feel satiated. I am excited about the food I eat. I don't feel deprived at all. And I wish that I could go back and share that with some of the people in my life, you know, 30 years ago or however long so that people wouldn't have to suffer. And I feel like there still are people suffering, feeling like they have to it has to be, I mean, it's not rocket science, right? It shouldn't be rocket science. You shouldn't have to write down every single calorie that you're eating. It's, we haven't evolved to have to do that. So I I really like being able to just eat the right foods and not have to have it be this thing constantly on my mind.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure that there are some people that are watching now that probably have tried almost every type of strategy out there, even some that may have been a little dangerous, mm-hmm. just so that they could try to achieve the weight loss or stop gaining weight. And there's just so many factors involved, though, too, right? It, I mean, it's it's about the food, but it's also about the emotions, and it's about the family background and stress and lack of sleep and all the mm-hmm. things that go on in our primitive brain that drives us to do things. So there's just a lot of different factors in this weight loss. And when I see people that have tried all these different types of diets that they call it, where they're weighing and measuring the food, or they're just only eating one thing and nothing else. I mean, it's just really kind of frightening to see that they are taking these health risks all in the name of trying to lose weight. And it's so sad that they, the people that maybe have not tried this lifestyle, that they don't know that you could eat all that you want until you're comfortably full and not weigh or measure or count calories and still achieve the body weight that your body was meant to be instead of where it just keeps gaining every year or you're just trying to keep from gaining. So Maybe one of you. Let's start with Dr. Kim. If you could tell us maybe about a patient or somebody that you know that maybe was struggling in this way, and you had helped to introduce this lifestyle. So,
2: I first did it with myself. I've tried Weight Watchers and Diet Center and um, starvation. I've tried, and it was kind of for me. If I could just stop eating, if it was like a cigarette, and I just stopped having a cigarette, it would be fine. But I'm a uh, food addict. And so it was really hard and I'm not good with willpower. So when I went to this, I eat now so much more than I ate before. I eat all, all the time. I snack also, I eat healthy, healthy foods. I love what I eat and I lose weight. I, for the first time in my life after I was 47, I had to be careful to eat more to not lose too much weight which was just a mind boggling experience for me since I was 50 pounds heavier than I am now. And then I started using with my patients. And I think the fact that I, they saw what I was doing and what my body looked like and how much more energy I had and how much more fit I was, how much more healthy I was. They actually believed me. And so some of them, started coming to me because they heard I was the plant doctor. I was the one who was going to prescribe broccoli. And I ended up changing lots and lots of people's lives, especially because a friend would tell a friend who would tell a friend who would tell a friend and they would then they would be shopping and they'd notice each other and they'd be like, oh, you've got veggies in your basket. You see Dr. Scheuer, don't you? And so it was nice to see that um, and I talk to them. That it's about health. It's not about weight. It's about health. You want to get healthier. You want to be as healthy and happy as possible. The weight will come. And it does. And they are shocked that they don't believe it. And then they do it. And they get off medicines. They feel better. They lose weight. The only side effect for them is having to buy smaller clothes. And it's great. So...
1: I do love that part about this lifestyle. And I love how you can eat all you want till you're comfortably full. You can snack and not have to weigh and measure the foods. And a lot of people think it's just eating, like you said, cardboard or or carrots and celery and not having anything with flavor. When Once they learn about this lifestyle, the, the possibilities are endless. And there's so many ways of imitating foods that you did eat that were not necessarily healthy for you. And you could find ways of making things that taste pretty similar to those things. And yet you can eat even more and not have to worry about it. So let's talk to Dr. Nikki. Do you have a story for us?
3: Well, yeah, definitely. So I would say that for me, it's been pretty similar to Dr. Scheuer, where it's about being a good role model at first. I think it's hard when people have tried so many different things. I've had people in my life try all the same things, the Jenny Craig, the Weight Watchers, all that, Um, trying not to eat very much, calorie counting. And it's hard when someone comes to you and says, well, why don't you just eat plant-based? Oh, another thing to try. Mm -hmm. And so really for me, it's been when people see the benefits that I've had, just seeing someone else do it and, and have it be something that they've enjoyed and has not been very difficult for them to do, I think is where people can say, okay, I'm seeing someone else do this. They've been successful. Maybe it's something that I can try. So I've had friends of mine who maybe in the beginning weren't as excited about trying this way of eating. And then even if it's a couple of years later, they'll reach out to me and say, okay, Nikki, I'm ready to hear what you have to say about eating this way. And so then I'll send them all of the resources that I have. I've had a lot of great success just with my own family members. My husband says he saved my life. I mean, when I met him, he was eating the standard American diet. He was he was not doing well. And he has a family history of obesity mm-hmm. and a lot of health issues, hypertension, diabetes. And he was on that road. And Although he looked healthy when I met him, I, I would say he was going down the wrong road at that time. And he was so young that it hadn't quite caught up to him uh, quite yet. Uh, but, but he says, I'm just so thankful that you started showing me this way of eating. And when we first met, he said, there is no way I could ever eat this way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, once I started just feeding him what I ate, I was like, hey, this is pretty good. And over time, he got used to that way of eating. He said, all right, I think I could do this now. And in fact, he did this test where he decided he wanted to try to go vegetarian for three months and he did it. But at the end of the three months, he was gonna go get a hamburger to celebrate. And my mom at the time, who is now pretty much vegan, she said, well, I'll go along as well because she was still eating the standard American diet at that time too. And so the three of us were on our way to this restaurant and my husband, about halfway there said, you know what, I just can't do it. I'm not interested. And I'm not going to eat meat anymore. And so then he's transitioned to being vegan after that as well. So it's just one of those things that even for those people who say I could never do this, it, it just isn't for me, I just love my steak too much, or I love my cheese too much. I get it. I lived in France for a year, I ate lots of cheese. Okay, I am horrified that I did. But after I gave it up, I do not miss it at all. I, I, I loved it, and I can see why people enjoy it, but now that I don't have it in my life, it actually makes me feel ill when I walk past a cheese stand in the grocery store, the smell of it. It is not something that I even have any interest in eating anymore, so for anyone who thinks that this isn't something I could do, it just takes time. Once you get used to the routine of it, you're changing your lifestyle. Like you guys both said, it's not about the weight loss. It's not about, okay, what do I weigh today? What am I gonna weigh tomorrow? It's really about how are you gonna change your lifestyle? How do I change my environment? How do I make sure that I have the right support people in my life? How do I continue to eat this new way? And once you just start eating that way, the results will come. Just like Dr. Shoyer was saying, it's, it's not about trying to weigh yourself and and worrying about the weight loss. It's its about making this change and, and just deciding that this is the way that you want to live your life.
1: Well, I agree. Back in 2012, I adopted this lifestyle with my husband. He lost over 100 pounds. I lost almost 40 pounds and I'm very petite, so you really have to make that number higher because it looked like a lot more on me. And you're right. It just takes some time to really adopt this lifestyle and make the changes that you need to do. But still, I think that the more people try different types of diets, the more convinced they become that I'm just big boned or I Mm -hmm. just don't have what it takes Mm -hmm. to do it. Other people can do it, but I'm just different. I can't. So Dr.
2: Kim, what would you say to that person out there? So absolutely you can. My significant other is from England and he's a meat and potatoes guy. And because he wanted to date me, I brought the food and I fed him. He's lost 60 pounds. He's gotten off of five medicines, three cholesterol and two blood pressure medicines. Looks like a completely different person and feels like a completely different person. And the way we did it was, um, at my house, it has to be clean because I have no willpower. So if there 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 should be and can be no junk in my house. When we go out, you can eat whatever you want. And just as Dr. Nikki Davis's husband happened, over time he found that he felt so much better, looked so much better, got off of his medicines that he didn't want his bad food anymore. He didn't he could go out and when we were at a restaurant, eat a steak or whatever, and he just didn't he stopped? So, for some people, they go in right away, and it's easy and great, and it's a, and they rip the band-aid off right away. Or some people go slowly, and it definitely can happen to anyone. If it can happen to me, who was a cheeseaholic and a junk foodaholic, I was a Milky Way vegetarian for most of my life and ate crap. Uh, I would never go back. And so many of the people that I know who've tried it find that, oh, it's so much easier than I thought. And for some of those people, I just start with eat more eat more apples every day or eat more veggies every day or have a smoothie um, because you can crowd out the bad stuff with the good and just add things and it really works. And then they find that it's so much easier and so, they feel so much better, they never go back. I
1: like that philosophy about adding things in and crowding things out. So, that if they, if some, not everybody wants to go 100% all in and maybe they just don't even know how to, even if they wanted to. I think people are, have fruit phobia. There, there are people that have come to me for some advice. I'm not a physician, but they would be eating things that were calorie dense and things that were would be weight gaining, promoting. And yet they were afraid to have some flaxseed because mm-hmm. they looked on the label and it, said that it had so many calories or so forth. I try to tell people I'd rather you eat three apples than eat that certain food that is not going to be helpful to you. And they can't believe that I'm telling them to eat three apples instead of that one thing that, that could do some harm. Dr. Nikki, what would you tell somebody that was starting out? What should they maybe think about doing?
3: Yeah, you know, for me, one of the things that I tell people, so going back on what Dr. Scheuer was saying about adding things in, I completely agree. I think that could be a really simple thing to do where you don't have to make any other change to your diet, but maybe you just add a cup of rice a day or a cup of beans or a baked potato. And that's your only goal of the day is to just add that into your day and that will allow you to eat the healthier food versus the unhealthier food that you might have had in that place. The other thing though that I will tell people is to come up with a plan for lapses and relapses. So a lapse is like a momentary uh, lapse of judgment. So you are eating vegan, you're eating whole food plant-based, you're doing well, and then somebody brings home some ice cream or there's something, you're you're with someone who isn't eating the way that you do and you decide to have something. So what are you gonna do in that moment? So the lapse plan basically is coming up with, what are you gonna do when you have that thought? Are you gonna try to talk yourself out of it? Are you going to allow yourself to have that and then decide to go right back onto it? maybe, I mean, this is almost like when you're quitting smoking or quitting drinking, coming up with a person to call, just saying, hey, I I know this person who super supports me, their plan. it might even be somebody you've met on social media who you've never met in person, but you could message them and say, I'm really <laughs> tempted to have this certain thing. Please talk me out of it. Or why am I doing Why am I eating this way to begin with and reminding yourself of that? Okay, and then the relapse is you've completely gotten off the wagon, you're you're back to eating the same way that you ate before. And what are you gonna do in that circumstance? Because even what we found with people who smoke, it takes several times of trying to quit smoking before you finally quit, right? Not very many people are able to quit on the very first time that they try. And it's the same thing with making a big lifestyle change, such as your diet. So what are you going to do in that circumstance? Are you going to beat yourself up and say, I can never do this. This is the end of it. Or are you going to say, okay, I'm going to go watch Forks Over Knives again, or whatever your favorite video is, or go read that book again that got you in this way in the first place, or whatever YouTube channel, like this one, and go back and rewatch all of those shows again whatever it takes to kind of get you back into that frame of mind again. I do find that for a lot of people having that reminder regularly. So whether that's writing in a journal and saying, here's why I'm doing this every single day, I'm doing this because I don't want to have a heart attack like my dad did and die and not be able to see my grandkids grow up. Or I'm doing this because I don't want to keep having to inject insulin anymore. That's ruining my quality of life. Whatever it is that's causing you to want to eat this way and be healthy, you've got to continually remind yourself because it's so easy in that moment to just say, "Ah, I give up, I don't really care. If you can go back and remember why you started doing this in the first place, that will help you with not only those temporary lapses, but also on the big relapses, because they will happen. And so you just go back to why am I doing this, what are the benefits, and what can I do to prevent this happening again? And like I said, have that support person, have somebody you can call, have those books, those videos ready to go so that you have that available. And make a plan for if I'm gonna go eat out, I'm gonna be with someone, here's what I do. So here's what I do, personally, when I'm going out with people who don't eat the way I do, I eat ahead of time so that I'm not hungry when I get there. And I don't have to worry about, oh, I gotta find something to eat. Okay, I think that hummus might be okay, but it's probably got oil in it. I really don't wanna have to eat that, but I'm starving. So if I'm not hungry, I don't even have to worry about it and I can just have a good time and drink my water.
1: That's really great suggestions. I -hmm. love all of them. You're recognizing in the first place that you're going to have setbacks and and you shouldn't be hard on yourself if you don't do it 100% and no lapses at all, we're all human. And we have a lot of our instincts are telling us to do things that our brain is, even if our brain is trying to tell us not to do it, we have these instincts that are driving us. So we have to be a little kind to ourselves. I agree with you. I think that's, that's a wonderful outlook. And Amber said, my plan is eat steamed veggies first. I like that, Amber. That's wonderful. And then you know you got those steamed veggies in first, and then maybe it'll fill you up a little bit and you won't have to worry so much about what to think about eating next. So Dr. Kim, do you have any
2: tips? Absolutely. So first tip is keep junk out of your house. Second is prepare. Just as Dr. Nikki uh, said, to be prepared if you're going out. I also eat before I go to somebody else's house, or I bring food to share with everybody that I know I can have so that That at least there's one thing I know I can have. Um, I drink two glasses of water, cold water, before I eat. Or even if I'm just like, it's late at night and I think I'm hungry, but I'm not sure. I drink some water first, and that usually takes away my hunger or my will, you know, my my urge to eat. It's not even. It's just that need, that feeling of need. But when you're not really hungry. I definitely agree with the steamed veggies or an apple or something that is low in calories first. You know, that's why we have the soup first. That's why we have the salad first. Have that first. Um, bring things with you when you're in the airport. I was traveling, um, actually not in the airport, but driving, and I just had a bag of that pre-made salad and just would eat on that and be mindful. You know, sit and put your fork down in between bites. So you can really enjoy the taste and chew and take the time to enjoy the taste of what you're eating. So those are a couple of things that I think of um, to help out. That's great advice. I, I Even now
1: that I've been doing it since 2012, I still have to remind myself, put the fork down. I think that we're just so trained by our culture or or I don't know what it is that you have to just eat and you have to vacuum it up and eat it really quickly and then move on to the next thing. And some people don't even sit down to eat. They'll be in their kitchen and stand there and eat. I really think that that's a very good thing to keep in mind is just to be mindful of what you're eating, sit down, I think, and Mm -hmm. just to, to chew. I think that I've been trying to practice some mindfulness and be grateful that I do have the opportunity to have this food in my life. Because I think sometimes what if something happened and I was someplace that I couldn't have access to the foods that I now have grown to love and enjoy. And I think that that I would be in a big panic the way I used to be in a panic if I didn't have a frozen candy bar available for when I was crashing and getting so hungry. I think now I would be in a panic if I didn't have access to this food. So I try now when I'm sitting and eating to just be mindful and thankful in my mind that I do have access to this food. And that's something I wanted to talk about because sometimes when people, if they're overweight or obese, they may be also encountering the type 2 diabetes or the the sugar highs and the sugar lows. And I think that when they're trying to weigh and measure their food and trying not to eat, that just makes it even worse. You wanna talk about how eating this way, if we have those spikes in the sugar highs and sugar lows of our insulin, how can this be helpful? Let's
2: see, we'll talk with Dr. Kim. Sure. So one of the things that Dr. Nikki said earlier was that she likes um, grains. And I do like complex carbohydrates. I eat a lot of that, and people seem to be fearful of that. But if you have complex carbohydrates and eat it, eat your salads or your um, your grains or beans, and beans are great to help protect from sugar highs. It's it's not only what we eat, but it's how we absorb and what we absorb. And so you want to eat whole foods so that it's absorbed slower. And you don't get insulin spikes, which set off your, which get you ha- heavier and can get you unhealthy and give, for so, and set off inflammation and so many issues. So, eating things that have, um, that are like green veggies that have cell walls that you have to chew and chew hard um, and long gets absorbed slower, and whole foods get absorbed slower. So, an apple versus apple juice. The apple juice comes straight in, has no fiber attached and gets absorbed really quickly. So, but the full apple, you chew it, you have the fiber and the fiber blocks um, the quick absorption of the the sugars. And so you don't have insulin spikes and you eat a lot healthier. So you wanna avoid simple carbohydrates like candies um, and put in complex carbohydrates like your whole grains. And that helps quite a bit. And then, you know, for people who have smoothies, I tell them to drink it very slowly. So drink the amount of food that you, and I prefer you eat it, but for some people that helps. Like when I started, I, I had never had a salad till I was 47 years old. I hated green things. So my friend made green smoothies for me, but put in beets in it. So it looked like it was um, red. And I would have that slowly for the first month. And after that first month, I was craving salads, which was such a neat thing. So. But you don't want to drink that fast because then you're going to have that quick absorption. So drink it slowly. So those are a couple of things about that.
1: Very good. And like I said, people just have this fear of fruit because it has the fiber. We're not worrying, like you said, we're not worrying about the sugar in it because it has the fiber and helps to be more like a log on the campfire than rather than throwing tissue paper on the campfire. That's how I try to look at it. What do you want to talk about? Dr. Nikki.
3: Yeah, so if we're talking about the blood sugar spikes, lows and highs, something that can really affect that is insulin resistance. So, you know, we talk about diabetes, but even in people who don't have diabetes, if you're eating a high fat diet, Mm -hmm. your body is gonna have a harder time getting the glucose that it uses to make energy into the cells that need it. So for anyone, when you eat a high-fat diet, which most of am- most of the animal foods, meats, even if they're lean cut, cheeses, any dairy products, even if they're no fat, are very high-fat. And when you eat that high-fat diet, that fat goes directly into your cells. I mean, it does not pass go. It is great for storage, energy storage. Your body looks at it and says, oh, we are going to store this for later. This is perfect it doesn't look at it as an energy source it looks at it as a storage source so when your body goes to store that fat it stores it into cells and it can become part of the inside of your cells so intramyocellular lipids inside of a muscle cell the fat inside of a muscle cell and when you've got that gunky fat gunking up those cells when your body says okay yes we ate this apple if it's a piece of fruit we ate this apple, we have all this beautiful glucose running through our blood, and now is the time to make some energy using that glucose. And the glucose tries to get into the cell and it can't because that fat is just gumming up the cell and it won't allow the glucose to get in. Now this happens to all of us. If, if we eat a high fat diet or we eat a high fat meal, just one meal, it can cause you to have some of that insulin resistance. So meaning that when you have glucose in your blood, your pancreas responds by creating insulin. Insulin is like the key that opens up the lock in your cell door to allow the glucose in. So it's not allowing that insulin key to get into the lock. So that's what we call insulin resistance. And if you do that long enough, if you eat that way long enough, then eventually it turns into diabetes. And eventually, if it goes even longer, your pancreas just tires out at some point saying, I can't keep creating all this insulin to keep up because the insulin is going to keep ramping up when it says, well, it's not working. We sent all this insulin into the blood, but there's no, we're not making any energy because the glucose can't get into the cell. So it keeps ramping up, ramping up, ramping up. And then the pancreatic cells tire out and die. And then you're transitioning now from type two diabetes into more type one and a half, which is more similar to a type one diabetes that we, you know, that we see in younger people. So insulin resistance is not just something to worry about in diabetes. It's something to worry about just for every meal that you have is you want your body to be running well all day long, every day. And when you're gumming it up with bad foods, you're, you're going to have some of those glucose spikes. And eventually, it can catch up with you, and and turn into pre-diabetes or diabetes. I mean, we're seeing that trend in the United States now. We're not we're not starting to trend down at all. Our diabetes rates, our pre-diabetes rates, are just going through the roof. One in every three American adult Americans now have either pre-diabetes or di- diabetes. So it's not going anywhere anytime soon, and it is largely due to our diet.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I know that they used to call type two diabetes adult onset diabetes. And right. now with the, we're even seeing it in children, which is really frightening. Mm-hmm. I'd like to talk about the meats. I think that people that are not familiar with this lifestyle think that if they just don't eat red meat or if they take Oh, I used to do this, take the skin off of the chicken, and that you're not having fat. Dr. Kim, how are we still having fat if we think
2: that we're cutting off the fat of meat? Well, the the proteins in the uh, in the meat are fat and, and they're saturated fats in, there's a huge amount of fat in cheeses and in milks. And um, even if you have fat-free milk, as Dr. Nikki Davis said, you know, it's not fat-free, <laughs> it's fat-free. it's less fat. And so, um, but it's not fat free. So you definitely want to get rid of the animal products because of that. They also, they have other proteins in there that spike IGF one, which is insulin growth growth factor, like type one, which um, is really, really, really important for growth. When you're a, a, a baby and a child growing but not when you're an adult because if you have that growth factor, that animal product which spikes up the insulin growth factor, you're growing your fat cells, you're growing cancer cells, and we don't want to do that. So avoiding that and going to plant-based foods is very helpful uh, because there is in general less fat in some of the plant-based foods, but you've got also, there are some fatty plant-based foods. People talk about um, coconut oil being healthy for you. It's not. Coconut oil has a huge amount of saturated fat. There are good fats in nuts and seeds, but you don't want to overdo it. You do need some fat because you need to be able to um, absorb fat soluble vitamins like A, D, E, and K. And so you need a little bit of fat. So a little bit of nuts and seeds, depending on what your health is every day. But you want to avoid the unhealthy fats. And there's there's a lot of research about the difference between um, plant fats versus meat fats and how inflammatory the meat fats are. So um, fat is not the enemy, but too much fat, as Dr. Nikki said, too much fat getting into the muscle cells, into myocellular fat is not healthy. You want the appropriate amount of fat and where it is in the right place, not where it's not supposed to be. Well, that's great.
1: Now, we talked about fat. Dr. Nikki, do you want to talk about oil?
3: Oh, Oh, my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) I love talking about oil. So, okay, so what is oil? Oil isn't something that we pick off of a tree or dig out of the ground, right? It's something that we have to make. It's processed. It's highly processed. If you think about the amount of food that is ripped apart and shredded and shrunk to get a certain amount of oil, it's a huge amount. You think, oh, a little teaspoon of olive oil isn't that big of a deal. But if you look at it as however many olives on a plate, maybe 100 olives or 1,000 olives, you could never sit down and eat that many. It It would be gross to eat that many. And yet Somehow people have it in their minds because of the media uh, that olive oil is a heart healthy substance. So my question is, if it's so healthy, then why not just eat the olive? Because whatever's in the oil came from the olive. So why not just eat the olive if you really think that you're getting something healthy? So one of the things that comes from olives or plant foods are phytochemicals. And those are things that are good for your body. They help fight inflammation, um, help fight disease. And it's, you know, you think of it as kind of like an antioxidant and those things are important, but those you will get from eating the whole plant food. You do not need to eat the oil product in order to get that. One of the problems with oil is not only that it's highly processed, but basically what it is, it's fat that's been stripped from a plant. So corn oil you are stripping all of that fat, which corn doesn't have a lot of fat to begin with, but you're taking all that fat from the corn, lots of corn to make the oil. So it's 100% fat. And oil is the most calorie dense food on the planet. It, Because it's pure fat, you get nine calories per gram of fat versus only four, if you're talking about carbohydrates or protein. So fat, definitely is the most calorie dense. And then if you're just gonna have something that's 100% fat with no fiber in it, no carbohydrates, nothing else, it's just the fat, then that's all you're getting. You're just getting 100% the fat. And so thinking of just taking this liquid fat and putting a little bit of it on your salad or or putting it on a fry pan to, to cook up some veggies or things like that, you are just, adding so many extra calories that you don't need. Now, Dr. Shoyer made a good point. Fat is not the enemy. You need fat in your diet. In fact, there are essential fats that you need, like omega-3s and omega-6s. Saturated fat, not essential. You do not need to eat saturated fat, which is, for the most part, what you're going to get when you're eating animal products. But you do need a little bit of fat. But I would much rather you get your fat from plant foods. Plant foods have fat. So all plant foods are gonna have some fat in them at just at differing levels. And like Dr. Schoyer mentioned, coconut has a lot of fat in it. Unfortunately, it has mostly saturated fat, so that's not the best plant food to choose. But all other plant foods are gonna have a little bit of fat in them that you need. And if you're talking about omega-3s and omega-6s, a lot of people will say, well, omega-3s, don't I have to eat fish to get that? Or don't I have to take a fish oil pill? So the fish doesn't actually make the omega-3. The omega-3 is something that the fish eats and it gets it from plants like algae. So if you're really wanting to get that omega-3, eating plant foods that are high in omega-3s like the flax seeds, the chia seeds, the walnuts are gonna be your better option.
1: Well, that's excellent, because I know that the oil is something that people do get confusing messages about. It looks like we have some questions from our audience, so let's start and bring one of those questions up. This is from Gina. Hi, Gina. She says, I have a question. I'm SOS-free, that's sugar, oil, salt-free, 100%, and can't lose the last 15 pounds. I'm 61. I eat very healthy, lots of greens, little grains, so... Dr. Kim, you want to take this question?
2: Sure. There's a lot of reasons. One of the things is definitely have to move. Um, as we get older, we even have to move more. I would be exercising every day and getting in um, some weight-bearing exercise because that will help with prevent osteoporosis. It'll help build your muscles, and that will be good, and that helps um, kick your, your – uh, metabolism up too. So I would look at that, make sure you don't have any thyroid issues or any other issues and definitely, definitely watch for hidden oils because if you're having any processed foods, you might have some hidden oils or some hidden other things. Other things I might look at, are you sleeping well enough? Are you stressed? Because that increases your cortisol, which increases the fat. Um, So getting enough sleep is very important for it. Uh, getting, getting your stress down is important. Uh, timing of when you eat. So you want to eat more in the morning, um, put your highest calories in the morning because we process calories and foods later on a little differently than we do in the morning. So there's a lot of things we could look at. Uh, but movement is a very important one.
1: I'm glad you said that. They, they, say that muscle burns fat, I try to incorporate exercise as much as I can. Even as a female, it seems like we're just fat producing machines. So because we're supposed to bear children, seems like sometimes we're running up a downward escalator. What do you say, Dr. Nikki?
3: Yeah, well, one of the things I noticed was that she says she doesn't eat grains. And so I guess I would be curious as to why we need to make sure that we're eating enough food. I know that sounds silly when you're looking at weight loss. but. You need to make sure you're eating enough because if you're not eating enough if you're not satiated you're going to tend to snack uh, on things that maybe aren't the best or your body is it might go into almost like a starvation mode where it's oh we're not getting enough food here so we need to keep this fat on as storage for later so you just have to make sure that not only are you eating the right foods but you got to eat enough too eating a salad is is not going to be enough if you're going to have a salad you want to make sure you're adding in some grains to that salad, some quinoa, or some beans to that salad, something. I mean, I'm a self-professed starchivore, and I feel like that's where you need to make sure that you're getting enough starch, those complex carbohydrates that Dr. Scheuer was talking about earlier. You've gotta have something that's gonna keep you satisfied, keep you full, and keep you happy. I would never be happy with just eating a plate of broccoli and that's it for lunch, there's no way. So I need my broccoli and I need my potato or my rice or my quinoa or my barley. Something that is going to help you break down those carbohydrates slowly, but you're also getting those great vitamins and minerals and nutrients from the non-starchy vegetables too. So making sure that you're getting not only the right foods, but making sure that you're eating enough. And and then as Dr. Scheuer said, yeah, watching out for those things that can kind of sneak in and going along the lines of timing for food uh, you know, I'm I'm uh, I, I I'm a proponent of doing intermittent fasting. I think it's natural. I think that we evolved to not eat at night. Um, basically, once it gets dark, we really shouldn't be eating. And so, making sure that you're not snacking late at night. And that you're giving your body that time to not only get the sleep that it needs, but that rest from having to constantly absorb and digest your food. So it's really important that you give your body a good amount of time off from that hard work that it does during the day when you're eating constantly.
1: Yeah, I agree about the sleep too. All those points were were wonderful. I feel like sometimes we're just so tired because we're trying to do so many things and we sacrifice sleep. And I think that we're looking for energy when we're tired and we think we're hungry, but maybe we're not, we're just tired. Or as we talked about earlier, I think Dr. Kim talked about the water, we might be thirsty and we don't even know. It. And maybe we're just not drinking enough water. Okay, let's see our next question. Pat, does avoiding oil really help with weight loss? So <laughs> you're both not. Who should I take first? <laughs> so Dr. Kim, because we'll ask Dr. Nikki too, but we'll start with Dr. Kim.
2: Yeah, so absolutely. If you look at one table... A tablespoon of oil is 120 calories. And that doesn't fill your stomach up. Plus, remember, as Dr. Nikki Davis said, it's nine calories per gram. It's the most calories per gram, basically, that you can have. It's the most calorie dense food in the world. So if you can fill your stomach up with fruits and veggies and grains, for with like 400 calories of that, you're going to be full and not eat more. But you add one tablespoon of Um, oil to that salad on the dressing. It doesn't fill your stomach up anymore and you already added so many calories. They're hidden and it adds up every day. So get rid of the oil. Learn how to cook without oil. Learn how to bake without oil. It's easy. It's delicious. You won't miss it. It's empty calories that you don't need. And uh, yeah, you, you get rid of the oil. It makes a huge difference. Okay, Dr. Nikki, what did you want to
1: say?
3: Yeah, I mean, calorie density is huge. When you're looking at calorie density, you think of your stomach. It has receptors, stretch receptors on your stomach that tell you when your stomach is getting to a certain size. And then that sends signals to your brain saying, okay, well, we're getting full here. You better slow down. So doesn't it make sense that the food that you're filling your stomach with have the least amount of calories. So making sure that you're eating your greens, which are very high in nutrition, nutrients, and very low in calories. You're eating things that have the most nutrition and the least calories. And that's, I mean, it not it funny how when you're looking at calorie density, the amount of calories in something, that the things that have the most nutrients have the least calories. And the things that are most nutrient deficient are the ones that have the highest calories Mm -hmm. so for instance we're talking about oil a lot oil is basically nutrient nutrient deficient completely there's very little nutrients that are retained when you're stripping that oil out of whatever it is that you're getting it from and so if you want to get the most nutrients and the fewest calories and fill up your stomach then you need to look at the calorie density of foods and guess what Plant foods are the things that have the most nutrients and the fewest amount of calories. Plant foods is where it's at.
1: Isn't that great? It's a win-win. You can have healthy food and also weight loss promoting food all in the same plate. That's awesome. Let's see if we have another question. Jarvia, how, oh, how to get friends who are misinformed about nutrition to open up to the truth about food? I'm sure you
2: both run across this quite often, Dr. Kim. So being a good role model is one thing. It's hard, You can't preach so much, but there are some ways out there where it's not you telling your friends. There's a nutritionfacts.org by Dr. Michael Greger has five-minute videos that he puts out daily or once a week and just have them look up on that. There's great movies out there like uh, Forks Over Knowledge, What the Hell, The Game Changers, depending on where the person's coming from. You can have them watch that. I did that to my brother and his son who don't believe in what I'm doing. I said, for my birthday, I want you to spend the hour watching The Game Changers with me. And it was a one, that was my birthday present. And that was a wonderful way to do that because they couldn't say no to the birthday present I wanted. So those are a couple of things I suggest.
1: Oh, that's a really good strategy. I'm going to have to think about that one time or another for a birthday present. What about you, Dr. Nikki?
3: Well, it's so funny that you say that, Dr. Scheuer, because I did that exact same thing to my mother. (laughs) So I read the China study. And it was so fascinating to me that I told my mom that for my birthday, I bought it for her for my birthday. And I said, please read this. And she was only get able to get about halfway through because if you've read the China study, it's a little difficult to read. You know, if you've got a medical background, I think it's easier. But it is a little bit of a difficult read. But she was convinced after she'd already gotten halfway through and she said, Okay, I'm gonna start eating this way. Uh, so that was one of the one of the ways but I agree I think being a role model is huge and I think you know there is a place for preaching to people there is a place I mean right now I would say that we're preaching to people right we're out there sharing it with the public um but there's also a place where some people might feel um you know defensive about it when you start bringing it up and they might see that oh boy she lost 30 40 pounds and and I can't lose that weight. And it's really embarrassing for me. And, you know, so just being available, that mm-hmm. when that person is ready to come to you, that, that they will know that they can. And, you know, one of the things that I learned, I think it was from Dr. Doug Lyle, is he says, when somebody asks you about your diet, don't preach to them, just say, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it seems to be working for me. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Um, you know, maybe it's not for everyone, but I've really enjoyed eating this way so that it's not so I am greater than you. I know 100% the truth and you whatever you're doing is, is horrible that it's just more, Hey, this is what I'm doing for myself and it works great for me. And that, I think, helps it to where you feel like you're on the same level, and then they might be more willing to open up to you and ask you more questions about it. That's always worked for me. And in fact, people who I never thought would be interested in eating this way, even years later, have come to me and said, "Okay, give me the information. I'm ready.
1: Yes, I think being patient, you're right. And you know, since 2012, I adopted this. And of course, in the beginning, I just couldn't stop telling everybody about it, which is why my family told me to just start doing what I'm doing now and just preach it to the world instead of to them because they had already heard enough and and (laughs) were getting convinced. (laughs) But you're right, sometimes just being that example and letting people... And then eventually, you're right, there have been family members that were not interested in the beginning and then suddenly a few years later they're starting to ask some questions. So I think that's really great. A lot of people say that they... Who, who already have adopted this lifestyle, that they're frustrated because they feel like they can't even discuss this with their physician because they feel like their physician might talk them out of it or or tell them that they're, even though the physician themselves may not be familiar with the lifestyle. And people time and time again are asking me, I wish I could find a doctor that was on my side with this lifestyle and familiar with it. And then I would be able to have the information about what are the good blood tests to have to make sure things are on track, are there supplements that I need and so forth. And now you both are a part of this plant-based telemedicine. So Dr. Kim, can you start to tell us a little bit about it and then Dr. Nikki will chime in.
2: So we are both blessed to be working with such incredible colleagues at plantbasedtelehealth.com and you can go on there. We are in all the states uh, and DC and uh, we have an incredible variety of people who do all kinds of different, have had all kinds of different backgrounds. We have multiple languages from French, Spanish, American Sign Language, um, Chinese, and I think some more, but I'm not 100% sure. But you can go to our website at plantbasedtelehealth.com and meet some of the greatest people. And I'm just lucky to be in this group of people who um, will help you on your plant-based journey and your health, because it's not everyone, it's not a one size fits all. And there's different, as you mentioned, um, there's things that we need to look at to, to tweak little, little details on everybody. And so and we do understand plant-based medicine, how it affects your medications and your health and your life. So come join us. Okay, Dr. Nikki.
3: Yeah, so I know that I have had experience where I've heard of patients going to their doctors and letting them know that they were gonna be going plant-based or that they had gone plant-based and being told that it wasn't the healthy choice and that they had to be really careful. And it's interesting how They'll be told that, but then someone else who's eating what everyone else does, the standard American diet, even if it is the healthy standard American diet, where you're like you said, um, Amy, where you're taking off the skin of the chicken and and all of that, um, you know, we aren't tell. You know, doctors aren't telling people not to eat mm-hmm. that way, and in fact, I'll tell you why they're not telling their patients that because they're eating that way. Your mm-hmm. doctors are eating that way. They're not so. To find a doctor who not only understands the way that you are eating or you wanting to eat, but also lives that lifestyle is just mm-hmm. so important because we truly understand what you're going through because we've been through it and we're doing it. And not only that, but then yeah, we can help you with figuring out, you know, making sure you get enough B12 and are there any other things that, that are going on in your life? and Dr. Scheuer and I know how to help people get off medications. So, yes, we've been trained to start medications. We know all the right medications to start for high blood pressure, diabetes. But I'll tell you what, that is not my favorite thing to do. My favorite thing to do is get people off of medications. Mm -hmm. And it's not very common that that's what doctors do. I, I don't know that in residency I ever saw another one of my residents taking people off medications. It was more oh, they're not on a statin, let's put them on a statin. Uh, Or, oh, their blood pressure was high today, let's put on another blood pressure medication. We get trained very well on which medications to add, but not a lot of doctors are trained on which medications to remove first or how to titrate people off of things like insulin. So that's where you really get a benefit with having a plant-based doctor in your court is someone who will fight for you, someone who understands a plant-based diet and someone who is able to help you through the process of making lifestyle changes. And that includes helping you with your medications and knowing what labs need to be done and what medications need to come off or by how much and, and when.
1: Yep. Those are all great points. I know that uh, my husband, he was on blood pressure medication and cholesterol medication and a couple of other things. We actually found out about this lifestyle through Dr. Furman on the PBS special. Mm-hmm. So we had to adopt the lifestyle and just be very careful with how what we told our physicians so that we wouldn't be discouraged because we really felt like this was the way to go. And my husband felt lightheaded within the first week, he, he wasn't feeling well. And, and then he also felt like he was coming down maybe with the flu, but he didn't have any symptoms. And we this wasn't something that we could just bring to our traditional doctor's attention, because then they would probably say, you see, <laughs> maybe that you shouldn't do this. Meanwhile, we were just going through withdrawal. And my husband was becoming over medicated because his blood pressure was dropping. I encourage people to, especially if you're on prescription medications, to work with a doctor that that knows about not how to put you on medication, but how to take you off and do it in a safe manner, because you really have to watch your dosage and so forth, and you shouldn't be doing it on your own. I'm sure in addition to blood pressure medications and cholesterol medications, there may even be other medications that maybe even medications for depression that you're on, that once these doctors help you decide what you need to do as far as what you're eating, and maybe if there are supplements that you're lacking, those things could even change for those medications as well. So I really encourage you guys to try to find a a doctor, like with plant-based telehealth, and we have two great ones here. And I think that that I wish that I would have had access to both of you back then when I was trying to bump around in the dark and just read a book and there really wasn't very much else on the internet or anywhere to to help me through it but it is important medications
2: are serious yeah. right Dr Kim absolutely so certainly if you are on diabetes medicines high blood pressure medicines coumadin for blood thinning you really should be talking to a doctor and helping you when you're transitioning to med- to uh, your lifestyle and getting healthier and those are so important. And we've seen people get off of depression medicines and um, decreased thyroid medicines. We're very lucky to have medicines. And, you know, I don't like, I just like Dr. Davis, that I don't like putting people on medicines, but we're lucky to have them when we need them. And we happen to be pretty skilled at knowing when you need what you need and then when we can get you off. And it's, as, as for her, it's my favorite thing. It's getting people off medicines. It's great. Safely. Do
1: you want to say something quickly about that, Dr. Nikki?
3: Oh, Did just getting people anything? off medications? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, that that part of the job is a lot of fun, getting people off medications. But I have to say, just being able to see people make the lifestyle change and just start to feel better, seeing people get well. That's not something that I think that a lot of physicians are missing out on in their training is a lot of times we see a lot of sick people who slowly get sicker over time. We're managing, managing their conditions. We're not treating their conditions, you know, unless you're talking about something acute, like a broken arm or an infection that can be treated with an antibiotic. When we're talking about chronic lifestyle related diseases. those are the the diseases in which you have the ability to change your lifestyle and not only stop, but a lot of times reverse those conditions. And I would say that that is what's so amazing with being able to do lifestyle medicine and being able to do it through telehealth. And like Dr. Schreyer said, all 50 states are covered with all of our doctors that we have, that being able to help people reverse those chronic lifestyle conditions just through what they eat is is not only fun for me to be able to see but it's just amazing to be able to see patients actually getting well instead of remaining sick or just getting sicker over time that's just what we're used to seeing in the hospitals we're used to seeing in the clinics we don't see people getting well often but now that i work with plant-based telehealth that's the norm that's what we see
1: Okay. I think we have one last question. Gina, do the doctors have experience in getting people off antidepressants? We kind of talked about that a little bit. So mm-hmm. I think people think that once they get prescribed an antidepressant, it's just for life. What
2: do you say, Dr. Kim? It is very individual, but yes, we do have experience with that. I uh, I know I have myself. I think many others in my practice have had that too where we've been able to get people off of some people off of antidepressants, which is great. So if you have a question about that or anything else to do with your health, we love to see you. And we've talked about reversal and slow and changing diseases, but it's also preventing diseases, like preventing things like Alzheimer's and preventing things like heart disease or cancers. It's what we can help you with. So we'd love to be able to take care of anybody and uh, our everyone in our group is great that way.
1: Well, I want to thank you both. Thank you, Dr. Kim and Dr. Nikki for coming on the show today. This is such an important topic because almost everyone can use some help in learning how to lose some extra weight and get healthy. And you touched upon so many wonderful tips and so many things that we really need to think about. And I'm glad that, you're accessible so that if anybody needed some private consultations, they could definitely contact you. And please stay tuned for a special announcement. I did want to also thank Rebecca from PKA Solves. She's been in the background pulling up the questions and helping us get everything together. There she is. Hi, Rebecca. I also wanted to thank Jess from Just Toss Voice. She did the countdown and the announcements. But most of all, I want to thank you, you are why I'm here. You're why not Dr. Kim and Dr. Nikki are here as well, because we want you to learn about this lifestyle. We want you to get the health benefits from it, and we want you to be successful, and we want to be a resource for you so that if you have specific questions, you can come and watch videos like this and broadcast like this, or you can contact doctors, doctors, like Dr. Kim and Dr. Nikki on plant-based telehealth. And this way you can learn more about this lifestyle and be successful because it can be done. We're not anybody special from anybody else. We, we all had our challenges before e- eating this way. And now that we've learned this lifestyle, everything is just so much more clear and we're just so much more healthier. And that's why we want to st- Spread the word and share this information with you. So, if you could please like, share, comment, subscribe. And another way that you could help is if you would join us and let's be our plant strong family. And you can type in the comments, be strong, be well, and be green as I do this with Dr. Kim and Dr. Nikki and watch Dr. Kim because she's going to add a little bit of something special in with our sign off. Just has voice. Tell us who's coming up next. Coming up next,
0: Dr. Monica Agarwal. Diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, cardiologist Monica Agarwal, MD, healed herself with the help of a plant-based diet. Dr. Agarwal wrote the book, Body on Fire. A national speaker, Dr. Agarwal teaches preventative cardiology in her daytime practice, where she emphasizes plant-based nutrition and often performs multiple mind-body techniques with her patients, including yoga and meditation. Join us on Monday, July 19th, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on be Green
1: with Amy live. Well, thanks again, Dr. Kim, Dr. Nikki, and thank all of you. And remember, until I see you guys again, be strong, be well, and be, be green. Be green. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.